pickaxe. So you are actually prime for spirituality now. Because now this is where Buddha's... So what people think is that spirituality like it, you know, can be done at any time. And you have all these like yoga studios where you have people who are not materialistic and feel like they devote themselves to spirituality and forget materialism. They're missing the point. They're also deeply unhappy, most of these people. The time for spirituality is when you've won the material game, not because you're losing the material game. Right. So welcome hey. back, Ethan. How, how are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm excited for today. I'm so wound up to follow up, actually. Okay. Uh, what would you like to f help me understand what that means? Uh, well, so... Nice shirt, I, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I thought uh, this was this is a Twitch Hawaiian shirt. It actually... Let's see if I can turn the right way here. It's always hard off screen. It's like uh, there's the Twitch logo hiding on the back. It was built for a, uh, some of the Twitch folks went to a conference in Hawaii. Hmm. And so years ago, they made Hawaiian shirts, and I got like the last one off the shelf a few years ago. Cool. But it seemed more casual than the blue button-up look from last week, so I, I went a little more uh, Twitch. So you, you, you meant, yeah. Um, so you mentioned you're excited about sort of uh, picking back up. So so help me understand what your week has been like and what you're excited about. Uh, absolutely. So I reflected a lot on um, what we talked about. And I also heard a lot of feedback from people who watched it, they got a lot out of it. Um, but then what I noticed, uh, so I'm excited, though, to follow up on how to take it further, how to how to take both our discussion further, but also specifically meditation further, because I feel a little bit like I don't know if this was subjectively true from your end. But I feel like we talked and had such a great talk. And then you're like, Oh, right. We should meditate. Boom. Here, do this. Bye. Which okay. maybe not your intent, but I didn't get no, enough that's, con context. That's how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of, before we got back into sort of excavating my interior, I wanted to learn just a tiny bit more about the meditation practice you recommended. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, go for it. So Sorry. my first question is, there's this joke, like half a dozen people have told me, which is, uh, if you can't find time, if you're too busy to meditate for 30 minutes, you need to meditate for an hour. Yep. And so my, my week went by with me meaning like, oh, I'm going to get back to meditating and actually doing almost nothing. And so I wondered, this can't be unusual because you coach bankers. Twitch chat. He's one of us. <laughs> uh, so... I know that you you're you you also work with like Wall Street folks, and yeah. I'm sure you must have run in before to people who nod to you and are like, yeah, 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 I'll meditate, yeah, and then like don't. Yeah. What's 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 your recommended way to break that cycle besides gut up and do it if there is anything else? Yeah. So gut up and do it, I think, is never my answer. Okay. So that's not like that's not a real answer. Like if people could gut up and do it, they would be doing it, right? Yep. So there are other kinds of things that are getting in the way. Okay. <clears throat> so we can talk a little bit about behavioral change and how behavioral change happens. Okay. Um, and we can also talk specifically about meditation. So let's start there. Okay. So the first thing is I think the process of learning how to bake meditation into your day is half of what you want from meditation to begin with. Because okay. that involves you being reflective about like, who you are, how your mind works, how your day works, and how all of these things fit together without you being able to do what you want to. 
right? So that's fantastic. And I think a lot of the progress that I make with people is in the process of figuring out why they can't find time to meditate. Okay. So that in and of itself tells you like, you know, what are your priorities? Like, what do you focus on? Why can your mind not let go of something that you feel is so vital to do something that is quote unquote less vital, but more important? So even in that process, you're going to have to detach a little bit and you'll gain a lot of the benefits of meditation. Awesome. That makes sense. So we'll talk about that. The other practical thing is that, I mean, so a lot of it is just a practical discussion. So sometimes it's just about sort of eliciting behavioral change. And this is kind of like psychology research or even like behavioral economics kind of stuff where it can be like, I work with the different people, you know, the different people I work with, we try to find like an easy way to fit it into their day, which is almost like problem solving. So I'll give you just one example. So there was a physician I was working with and he was having trouble finding time to meditate. And um, he actually had an interesting experience happen where he was chanting and he had an infant child, like a, a young child. And the child one day started laughing at him because he didn't understand like, you know, what was happening. Like the, he was just sitting there with his eyes closed and making these funny sounds and the kids started laughing and triggered actually a lot of shame for this person. Sure. Um, and so he found it very difficult to meditate at home. So we sort of figured out, okay, like, so one thing that I recommend is that you find something that you're already doing within your day and you try to anchor in, so you already have a pre-existing anchor and you just try to add meditation to it. Okay. So for this person, they would take a jog every morning. That was a 30 minute jog and halfway through their jogging route, there was a park bench. And so what they decided to do is they're going to jog for 30, like, you know, they're going to do their normal 30 minute route. They're going to stop on the park bench for somewhere between five and 20 minutes. And it started with five minutes, which you can definitely bake it. Like you can find an yeah. extra five minutes. Yep. And it was sort of that behavioral anchor that they would sit there every day on the park bench because they're going to be there anyway and, and kind of meditate for a few minutes and then finish their run. For another person, it was kind of, um, you know, meditating on the subway and we sort of taught techniques that they can do like at their desk. So they would feel fine during the day, but when they go into work, they would start to feel really, really anxious because they were concerned about doing a good job and living up at, into expectations. They just sort of made a kind of a career transition. And um, it was a really great fit, and they really liked, liked being there. Their bosses really valued them, but they were just a little bit concerned because they had a different background from most of their coworkers. So for them, we actually taught them a, when they sit down at their desk, there's a silent meditation practice that they can do that um, – you know, they could do at their desk for five minutes that kind of like reset those feelings and then sort of started the day off right. So okay. um, my first thought, is, so my first thought is like, there's two things that we can do. One is sort of a behavioral, like problem solving. How can we find a time in your day that you can try? And when you try it, you're going to succeed or you're going to fail. And either one is fine. Yep. And as you fail, we explore what's the nature of your failure. Why do you fail? Did you just bite off more than you can chew are you someone who just expects more of you than you're capable of? Um, you know, do you just hold yourself to an unreasonably high standard? We dig into that. And then over time, people eventually start meditating. And I'm not quite sure how or why. So that's one thing is we can kind of talk about behaviorally how to do things. The second thing we could talk about is why is it that you can't find five minutes to meditate in terms of what is it that's so pressing? And we kind of can get a little bit about your attachments because your attachments, I suspect, keep you from meditating. Yeah, and I think that might be more interesting. Um, I think so. Great. Uh, so I can kind of jump to that. I did some reflecting on what you had said, um, and I realized from our session a week ago, from our discussion a week ago, 
Um, one of my issues we didn't get into that I think I feel is driven from some of the childhood issues we talked about is now I have the opportunity to do many pleasurable things, right? I have friends, I can travel, I can play sports, all of which I enjoy, but I get into having a fear of missing out. In other words, it would not be too many negatives. It's very like me to plan a weekend that has like nine activities in it. And I actually consider it bonus points if I can construct an activity that does like three things at once. So like, I'm going to go skiing and I'm going to meet my friends skiing and we're going to talk on the lifts and eat lunch together. And I'm like, I'm going to manage to pack in hanging out with friends, with physical activity, with, with intellectual discussion. And for me, like I run a victory lap if I can cram in three or four value propositions to one block of time. Okay. Um, and so obviously that, well, maybe not obviously, but I think that fear of missing out, like, oh, it's, I will overload my schedule. They, you probably know this thing, um, not having enough empathy for your future self. I, I will create a schedule that's like, well, I have three dinner invitations. So I'll drop by the first one for appetizers, the second one for main course and catch the last people for after dinner drinks. My yeah. mind doesn't see the problem with that when I'm planning it. But then, of course, I experience the problem with that when I'm trying to excuse myself from the first dinner to get to the second dinner to get to the third dinner. Okay. I may go in a slightly bizarre sure. direction that go for is, it. has a high chance of just completely missing. <laughs> Are you afraid of death? Terrified. I've been working okay. on that my whole life. Well, I That's... talked about that last week. That Did started... We... Yeah, yeah. I, I said... Um, I'll refresh your memory really early. I said at five, um, I asked my father, what happens when you die? Oh, right, 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 right. You did yeah, say yeah. that. So, okay. yeah, fear of death. Um, I've recently come closer to being okay with it, but that has been my lifelong te root terror. Okay. So let's just understand. Um, do, you have a, do you have a sense of why I asked? You're saying that I have FOMO, and then I ask you, are you afraid of death? Yep, I get it. And, I, I believe I get it. So explain it to the rest of us. Um. I'm trying to cram in as much life as possible into time as a signal that I'm alive and that death, like if death is nothingness, then if I'm doing seven things at once, I'm very alive. Well done. Beautiful. Right. All right. So I, I think, I think this comes back to, I mean, you can talk about FOMO and, and you can talk about all that kind of stuff, but that I think is the essence of it. Okay. Is that you feel, and, and I think if you, if you want to stop doing this to yourself, so this comes from, what do you think the emotion is or the feeling is that drives you to pack your weekends full of just high value proposition social activities? Fear. The, 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 okay. the emotion is, is, I mean, the root emotion is being afraid of not, the root fear of being afraid of death, I said last week, was being afraid of life going on without me, of things happening that I couldn't see or participate in. So I'm just transporting that to daily life because if there's a dinner of my friends and I'm not gonna be there, I feel dead to that dinner, right? Yeah. It's not that conscious. Yeah, but absolutely. I so, so, I mean, what I'm detecting from you is desperation. Sure. Right, there's like every weekend is packed with desperation. And wow, the that's reason really that you, sad. I'm absolutely. not arguing with you, but it's sad. 
Yeah. So I, I think it's it's interesting because uh, so, uh, Ethan, this is going to be challenging because you're so smart that you can do all this like Freudian kind of stuff in your head and you're going to arrive at conclusions for yourself, which are valid. The challenge is that when you do your analysis, you're like missing something. And what I'm missing from you here is the like the desperation, like you are desperate. So the way that you need to look at yourself is someone who is like desperate that life is going to end. Okay. You know, and and we, so you have kids, or you mind if I ask? Yeah, I have kids. Uh, I have a blended family: seventeen, sixteen, fourteen, eight. Okay, so when when your seventeen year old was two or three, and you like um, dropped them off at daycare or whatever, do you remember what their reaction was? Or like, let's say you had to go to work in the morning. They have separate. Uh... Yeah, they cry. There you go, being intellectual. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, caught you, myself though. Good, I got two very syllables good. You're there. Learning. They yeah. cry. Yeah, but what what does that mean? Like, what are they feeling? Abandoned. That's what they did. Absolutely right. They're desperate for you. They're hungry for you. Yeah. And and so this thing, like, it's not. I mean, sure, it's FOMO, but there's just hunger for you that there is not enough life to be lived. Yeah. And you've got to try to pack in as much life as you can into every moment. Which sounds so positive to fill your life to the fullest, you know, and live every moment as if it was your last. And like that sounds so positive. There's, a, there's in fact shelves full of advice books that tell you to do that. And that's what you're doing. And that's why you're torturing yourself. Okay. Because you are listening. I mean, you're probably one of these self help junkies. Totally. And, and so you want to pack life to the fullest. No, man, you got to just chill out. Right. You got to understand that, like, there is no way that you are going to experience a fraction of what life has to offer. Just not going to happen. So that's very hard to hear. Yeah, it's it's logically true, but sucks. Yeah. So what's hard to hear about it? Let's talk about that. Um, That there's cool stuff in life, whatever we can redefine cool, but there's stuff I won't get to do. How does that make you feel? Um, sad. Like, like, yep. yeah. Okay. So we're going to, so, but what emotion are you missing there? You're missing one, I think. There's some anger or frustration. Very good. Right. So you're so good at detecting the sadness, but you push that anger away so easily. What are you angry about? Um, I want the world to conform to what I want. I want what I, it's a tantrum. I want what I want. Yes. Beautiful. It's a tantrum. Beautiful. Right? Because here's the thing, Ethan, it's unfair. It's unjust, isn't it? I have trouble. Like the, the two-year-old in me feels that I, as an, as an intellectual, I have trouble saying, well, it's unfair that you can't do everything. That seems like, well, duh. But yes, yeah. the two-year-old in me wants to throw my toys and be like, damn it, I get to do everything. Yes, very good. And now we come to another part of your problem, which is the 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 adult Ethan does what to the child Ethan? Tells him to suck it up. There you go, right? You were a big, big bully towards yourself. <laughs> I've never heard it put that way. I might yeah. have been called a bully, but not towards myself. Well, I mean, if other people are calling you a bully, where do you think you learned that? Yeah, sure. Right? Maybe from your parents, but probably yeah. from yourself. And that's just how, I mean, so I, 
we are making so much progress that I just have to stop for a second and just like, just sit with this and let me know, like, what is, what's sticking, what's not sticking? Well, the first thing it super stuck was just the connection that my wild desire to do everything is driven out of the root cause problem of fear of death. So solve the root cause, solve the rest. Yeah. And the second thing was, yeah, the, the tantrum part, like the, damn it, I wanted my, you know, and the fact that I do suppress, I have all these behavioral layers over top of the child that says, you can feel that, but you can never show it because it's not mature. Yes. And here's the thing. Who wins at the end of the day? The two-year-old or the adult? Always the two-year-old. Yes. Very good. Right. So the two-year-old's going to get his due. Yeah. So the it's battle. The elephant, it's the elephant and the rider, if you know that. Yes. Analogy. Very good. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you explain that analogy to other people? So the elephant and the rider I learned about in a book called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath. But the, the idea book. is your intellect is like the rider of an elephant and it can like pull on the elephant's reins and maybe guide it a tiny bit for a short time. But your emotions are the elephant. In this case, the child is the elephant. And it will wear the rider out and go where it wants. So the only way the rider can really get where it wants to go is to help the elephant want to go that way, like make it emotionally appealing, because that's where all your energy source comes from. Yeah. So I, I would say in, in your case, what you've got to do is align the two-year-old with the adult, right? You have to, instead of bullying the two-year-old, because then what happens is the, the two-year-old goes under the surface and then starts to exert his baleful influence on you and cloaks it in positivity, cloaks desperation in just pure positivity. Sure, because who like, can argue that dinner with your friends is a bad thing? Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, who can argue that three or four, what you called social interactions value propositions? Uh, I don't think so, but I might have. So you said you want to get as many value propositions as you can into one activity. Yeah, like as many sources of enjoyment, right? So I so I like to talk to people. Uh okay. I I like to I like to do a bunch of things, so I try and add them all into like one activity. Yeah. And and so I think you've just got to be careful about that because, you know, that's just I mean that you know that that's not going to work, right? And and the way to do that is not by willfully bullying yourself to not do that. So like, I, I think the answer that a lot of people are looking for is that you just need to learn how to not do that, right? Just stop it. Just do less. Just change, change your behavior, plan less, meditate more, but that, that's not going to work. Like if you want to be free of this, yes, you want to be please. free of it. If you want it to stop of its own volition, that's the goal is not yes. control, not willpower, but sublimation. Okay. To remove the root, right? And that comes to, first of all, like you have to, let me just think about how we can do this. So uh, one way to do it is to uh, conquer your fear of death, which can be achieved through meditation. Um, But, uh, you know, the other thing is, is to think a little bit about like, so usually a fear, I mean, all human beings to a certain degree have a fear of death. But in your case, I would guess that the reason you have FOMO is because you actually missed out. So what did you miss out on? Yeah, so I was thinking some, I was prompted by someone else to think a little bit about this. I grew up on a farm and my parents were older. I was the last child, the youngest. Um, 
my parents had spent a whole generation raising kids. My brother uh, was 18 years older than I was and the other kids in the middle. So by the time they got around to me, they were kind of done with it. Um, I was what the, we call a bonus baby. My mom famously said, I'm what? <laughs> um, so uh, between living in a rural area with no other kids around and my parents kind of being ready to move on, I mostly had to entertain myself. Like I read tons of books and I got into, uh, I played a lot of D&D &D and I played a lot of video games, but they were all solo activities mm. um, because I didn't have siblings near my age and I didn't really have neighbors or neighborhood near my age. So in thinking about it, um, what I missed out on, uh, and I also grew up overweight, so I wasn't like a big sporting outdoors person like I am now. So I pretty much sat at home and read books. Um, uh, and I didn't, because you don't know any different, I didn't have a conscious feeling of missing out. Mm -hmm. But between the social and the physical isolation, I think I probably did miss out a lot. Okay, so if you, uh, oddly enough, so that once again, we're gonna have to try to like, how can I say this? We're going to have to try to dismantle that because I, yeah. I don't that that sounds intellectually beautiful. Like that sounds like a something that we call like a psychoanalytic formulation. Right. Where you have sat down and you've studied your life and you've come up with this beautiful, poetic, you know, he grew up and his parents were not ready for, uh, for another child. And he spent time by himself. It's beautiful. And, and if this was therapy, I would be elated. <laughs> but my sense is that that has no emotional teeth to it because it sounds like your actual experience. This is you as an adult. I was lonely. Back. My actual emotional experience is loneliness. Did you, is that how you felt? Uh, yeah. When? When I wanted to do things with friends and that meant convincing my parents to drive somewhere and they weren't available or, you know. Um, there we go. Now we're getting right. there. And and how old were you? Do you remember a specific instance? Uh, no, I remember like every Friday night, I had a couple of friends that I would call their houses. Like, can I come over? Can you come over? And I can't point to like a specific instance, but I know that if I got a bunch of no's, I was disappointed. Like, oh, another day alone. And again, it wasn't that well formulated, but I know that like whether or not I got a yes and somebody was coming over was a huge deal to me. Was there a day that you stopped calling? Uh, no. I don't think I ever gave up. Hmm. But there was a limited set of people I felt close enough to call. Like I didn't have a big circle of friends. Hmm. And And... Were there situations where people said yes, and then your parents couldn't like drive you over? No, um, because I would have always checked that first. I see. Uh. And hmm. let me just think for a second. Yep. Stumped him. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> Do you feel when, when you are thinking about your day now mm -hmm. on the weekends? Yep. 
<laughs> Here it comes. Think... I gave him time to think, and he's loaded up. He's giggling. Yeah, I was just thinking how funny it is that you you think I stumped you, but it's. It's actually the exact opposite. Yeah, I know. I've stumped me. I see the chink in the armor, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, but it was funnier yeah, to pretend it was, that Absolutely, I'm... absolutely. And it's funnier now, and, and now, you know, I'll miss, right. because that'll be the best entertainment. But um, so, but here's the thing that, that I'm trying to get a sense of. When you plan a, a day on the weekend, yep. and you have that feeling of missing out, yep. does that feel like you the feeling that you had when you were growing up and you reached out to friends on a Friday night, does it feel the same? Yeah. I, um, it feels even worse now. Like, um, tell me what it feels like now. Uh, you're planning your weekend. So like, yep. it's Thursday, right? Yeah. No, today's it's Friday, Friday today. It's Friday. Yeah. yeah. So have you already planned your weekend? Uh, abnormally, no, not completely. Okay. Um, so and that's because of weather conditions. Okay. So like, when did you start planning your weekend? Um, early this week. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, Eager to get to it, huh? What? Eager yeah. to get to it. No, I, I love my job. But I'm just a planner. Um, okay. Revealing, like, I say without irony or any joke that I know what I think I'm going to be doing. I have a Google calendar that shows what I'll be doing every weekend now through November. Okay. Not in varying detail, but, like, I keep a rolling plan yeah. of yeah travel and, and gatherings. And, and, and when you're kind of putting together your weekend... Mm-hmm. What is it? What What are you feeling? Excitement about yeah. some of the stuff I'll do, but also like, what are the trade offs of stuff I can't do? So I feel disappointment or stress about things I can't do. What do you mean by stressed? What does that What does that mean? Um, well, I can just be super practical. Uh, I like to ski, and I have two sets of friends who are going to ski at different ski resorts this weekend. And I can't be with both sets of friends in both places. And I want to. And how does it make you feel to not be able to be with them? Like I'm missing something. Um, I'm going for a deeper feeling. Hold on. Uh, I feel like a failure actually. Like somehow I, that somehow if I were smarter or more clever, I could have made it all work. And what are you failing at? Getting as much as I possibly can. Filling the hole. Like, feeling like I have had it all. I've eaten the cake and I still have the cake and I get to talk about the cake. It's like an avarice for experience or life. Yeah. Right? It's a so, hunger. The hunger isn't being met. Yeah. And and when have you felt that hunger? When did that hunger start within you? Uh, I can't even remember. Um, I don't know. I can't put, I can't immediately put it like that started. 
it's grown all my life because my ability to do things has grown. And so you get it, you have more consciousness of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd point again to that event I described last week of like the feeling, the black hole inside myself as a five-year-old of, Oh, wow. When I die, I won't be able to do any of these things. Yeah. Cause my fear of death was about not being able to do stuff with people. Okay. It, it was about not existing. It wasn't about like, Oh, death will be painful or death is metaphysical. It would be lack of ability to interact. So I, I want to point something out to you. Okay. So the okay. first is that despite your ability to eat more and more and more, what happens to the hunger? Gets worse. So how does that work? Perverse. <laughs> well, yeah, but what, what, like, what does that mean? You, like, you adapt to it. Um, it, in other words, uh, what satisfied before no longer satisfies you. Uh, you ratchet up your desires because you become accustomed. Uh, you become accustomed to whatever you were doing. Okay, so I'll put it a slightly different way. So, what happens? So it's almost like the more that you feed the hunger, the hunger is like an organism within your mind that th yep. then does what with food? Eats it, makes it what commonplace. Yeah, and what, then you shit it out. What happens to things that you feed? Uh, they grow. Absolutely. Right? So like, it's strange because you'd think that if you have a black hole within you, if you have hunger or desperation for something, and you satisfy that desire that that desire should be satisfied. But what you're actually, what you've been doing your entire life through the pursuit of positivity and, and packing in value propositions and making every ounce of life, you're squeezing the juice out of every ounce of life, right? Four kids, successful career, lots of friends, packed social calendar, more social events. Your life is just so full of everything. But not full enough. It's never going to be full enough. Okay. Because the more you feed it, the more it what? Grows. Absolutely. I passed the quiz. You passed the quiz. Because now we have to try to understand why you make jokes and what that means, right? Because you weren't making jokes last week. You're making jokes this week. Okay. So I'm not quite sure what that means, but usually it's a sign of some kind of defensiveness. But yeah. You feeling uh, defensive? Do feeling I feel afraid? defensive? No. Um, if it's any kind of defensiveness, it's embarrassment. Yep. It's embarrassment, you know, to sit and say, oh, yeah, poor me. I do all these great things, and I, it's not enough, and I have problems with wanting more. Um, yeah. Good. So, I'm glad you're able to see it. Yeah. Right? So what are you doing to yourself there? That's me telling the two-year-old who feels embarrassed to put up with it or get over it. Right, yeah, that, I don't know if it's quite the two-year-old, but I definitely but, think there is someone within you who's doing some bullying. Okay. Right? So I think you're bu bullying multiple children within yourself. <laughs> wow. By the way, my chat just totally glommed on to the the bullying the two-year-old. They're like all about it. My channel, like newsflash, Amazon VP bullies two-year-old. <laughs> okay. Footage well, at 11. But anyway, it's it's okay. It's good. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think this is what we do to ourselves. So one thing is, is do you feel, I see this a lot. So do you feel guilty for having so much and being so unsatisfied? Totally. 
yeah um yes i i i feel like i've been incredibly lucky in my life um and so i think a lot about the i'm a christian so i think a lot about the christian responsibility of that right the um to whom much has been given from him much will be required so it's another performance standard to hit um and i certainly think about it what was the question i asked you you asked me i don't know you you asked me um do you feel guilty for having I, a lot yeah do i feel guilty for having a lot so there are a couple of things that i want to just point out so the first is that i think a lot of people in our chat hope to one day be in your shoes in a lot of different ways, right? Yes. I think they hope to be married. They hope to be professionally successful. They hope to have go skiing with friends. They hope to have families. They hope to be lose weight. Um, they hope to, you know, they, they actually, it's bizarre. They long for that part of you that bullies yourself into success. They crave mm -hmm. that. I feel like if I could give them one thing that they could sign up for, it's they wish they could beat the shit out of themselves to get themselves out of their, their room and away from the computer and out of bed. They long to be like these people who are disciplined and who can wake up every day and work and go to work and drive themselves. They're looking for to be driven. Which I certainly am. And, and they long for that, right? So the okay. first thing that I want everyone to pay attention to is that this guy, he has a lot of reasons to be happy in life, and I think there are parts of him that are very happy but yep. also deeply deeply unsatisfied <laughs> true right and and so this goes back to this core idea that buddha talked a lot about which is that satisfaction and contentment don't come from the outside they come from within mm -hmm. and that i know gets put up on calendars and stuff like that and like everyone's like oh like peace and contentment come from within man but like it's not like that it's like scientific we have a test case here of a guy who has gotten more and more and more in life and it's never enough it's never enough right you can have two people who want to go skiing with you there used to be a time where you would call and no one would say yes i can hang out with you or i want to hang out with you and you would think that that kid would be satisfied if he could get one person to say yes i want to hang out with you and 30 or 40 years later your challenge has become the completely different thing of what it was when you were a child. You didn't have enough attention from your parents. You didn't have enough attention from your friends. And you were playing, well, d and is a, a group thing, but you were reading a lot of books and playing a lot of video games. Now you have a family that I, I presume loves you a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah. You were loved. You yes. were respected. You were feared. And people long for your company. And still it isn't enough. Wow. Harsh but fair right? Yeah. And, and that too, I, I'm just kind of, you know, thinking about what you were saying about the culture of Amazon. You're a great fit for Amazon because you am. can be good and great and exceptional and at Amazon, you're still not enough. Yep. Right. When they succeed, high standards, they ask high standards, relentlessly so. Yep. And, and so if you hit a home run, their next question is it's, there's no victory lap or maybe there's a victory lap. I don't know. I mean, I, but their next question is, when's the next one? Hitting a single, good job. Next time, hit a double. Hit a double, good job. Next time, hit a triple. Hit a triple, good job. Next time, it's a home run. Hit one home run. Next time, you need another home run. 
and then it's three home runs in a row and four home runs in a row. And that's what you do to yourself. Right? Same thing. So I think you're a great fit. And I think it's it's good in terms <laughs> of, of, you know, performance, like because you've succeeded. Yes. And Amazon clearly has, is successful. I think it's, you know, it's gigantic and successful. So we can't dispute that. But they're suffering with it. And in your case, I think you've got to learn. <laughs> so first thing to understand is that you can feed the beast as much as you want to, but the more you feed it, the more it grows and the hungrier it gets. That's incredibly valuable. Like, I will remember that and yeah. Second thing is I'm going to share with you sort of a, a core, like basically the same thing. But um, in in Buddhist sort of metaphysics, there's like earth, there's something like heaven, and there's something like hell. But they have this layer between Earth and Hell called the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. <laughs> I've heard of this. I don't know much about it. And it's it's not quite Hell, but it's basically a realm where souls who are hungry go. And though they eat and they eat and they eat, they never feel full. And they don't quite call that Hell, but it's kind of like Hell-ish. <laughs> right? Sounds pretty bad. It, yeah, and it's, so it's just a kind of a never-ending hunger, and, and that's what we we see in you. So I think that somewhere in here, when it comes to meditation, so now we're going to talk about meditation. So I, I think you need to you need to learn to be comfortable with death. Okay. And the way that you're going to learn to be comfortable with death is there's some. So I think that's going to carry a lot of things, right? So the first is that you have the sense that time is running out and you haven't accomplished enough. You haven't gone skiing enough times. You haven't done this enough. You haven't done this enough. Like, dude, if you do not get this in order, every year that goes by, you are going to get more and more desperate and more and more screwed. Because as age I starts to take that. its toll yeah. and, and the end of the movie is coming up, it's just going to get more and more terrifying. So now is your time to do this. And, and now you're ready. So this is the other thing about Buddha. So, you know, Buddha started his spiritual journey out of desperation as well. Like, I don't know if, if you kind of know this, but I'll, I'll share the story with you. So, like, you know, Buddha was a, a prince, and he was powerful, and he was respected, and he was loved. He was married. He had a healthy young son. He, he had everything in the world. And then he woke up one day, and he's like, I, it's not enough, or I want more. He had desperation, and that's why he turned to spirituality. So I, th I think this is a, a subtle challenge, but most of the people who are, w are watching, I, I don't think are as successful as you are, to be blunt. And I'm, I place no value judgment on it. They're also a lot younger, so we wouldn't right. expect them to be. But they have this idea that if they can have all of the things that you have, they'll one day be happy. The source for their happiness is because something is missing in their life. And they think that if I have a job or if I have a family or if I have this and if I have money and if I have this and if I have this, then I will be happy. Right. The same as when you were a kid and you said, if I have someone to hang out with on the weekend, I will be happy. And I want everyone to understand this. It's not going to work. Like, it's just not going to work. And you guys can see it when you when you look at Ethan, that it's not working. Like, sure, he has all those things. I think you should pursue all those things. I think you should strive to be successful, but it's not going to make you happy. So you are actually prime for spirituality now. Because now this is where Buddha's... So what people think is that spirituality like it, you know, can be done at any time. And you have all these like yoga studios where you have people who are not materialistic and feel like they devote themselves to spirituality and forget materialism. They're missing the point. They're also deeply unhappy, most of these people. The time for spirituality is when you've won the material game, not because you're losing the material game. And because once you get to the point where you're at, you're actually screwed because other people can chase after a material goal 
and they can believe that that material goal is going to bring them happiness. And that is enough to pull them in the right direction of growth. In your case, you've achieved that, and now you've got nothing left to pull you. Right. And so you're screwed. And Buddha was screwed too because he achieved, right? He had everything. And then he wakes up one day and he's unhappy. And so you don't even have the illusion of happiness from a material thing to like drive you forward. And this is why you need spirituality. Spirituality is not born of positivity. It's born of abject desperation and terror. Okay. So you're ready for it, buddy. So now you're ready to meditate. Because the only thing that is going to give you peace, the only thing that is going to satisfy that hunger within you is going to be meditation. And that's hyperbole. There could be other things. Spirituality is maybe a better way to put it. So you can find your own path that doesn't have to be meditation. And in your case, what I think you need is shunya meditations. Okay. So shunya is the Sanskrit word for void and is also the concept of zero. Okay. So people sort of claim, I don't know what's true or isn't true, that the, you know, the, the, conce- the numerical concept of zero was discovered in India. And, and that like, it, you know, it's my belief that the people who sort of discovered this mathematical concept, I'm sure maybe it was discovered elsewhere, but, you know, the historian within me wonders about things like that. But basically like th- this sense of like nothingness and void and a complete absence of self. And I think for you to be able to be comfortable with death, you are afraid of nothingness, right? You are afraid of this thing that is incapable of experience because you believe that experience is what leads to happiness. Like doing something out there is what leads to contentment. It's when you call, you pick up the phone and you call someone to say, yes, I am coming over, that you feel happy. And so you're not wrong in thinking that that's just the way that your life has been. Yep. So in your case, what we need to do is give you an experience of death give you an experience of shunya. And the more that you can experience that, I'm not asking you to, just to be very clear and for medical legal reasons, I'm not asking you to die. You know, <laughs> I'm so clear. Please don't do that. I will assert back I'm clear on that. Okay. What I mean is that you need to have an experience of self that is not Ethan. Okay. You need to have an experience of like void and blankness and a lack of existence of who you are. And I believe you will find that experience to be incredibly comforting because there is nothing as comforting as like wrapping yourself in the void. And I'm not asking people to commit suicide. Like don't do that. So you don't have to die to actually have that experience. And I actually don't know what happens after death. But what I do know is from a psychological perspective, there is something called annihilation of the ego, which is where you have an experience of self that is outside of who you identify as. And those meditation practices are shunya meditation. And unfortunately, there's going to be a series of things that I have to teach you before you do shunya meditation. Okay. So the shunya meditation practice that I'm going to tell you, and this, by the way, so I have to do a couple of medical legal things here too. So there are cases of meditation-induced psychosis. So meditation is not a practice that is, um, is not without risks. And the, especially shunya meditation practices are different. So there is a Shunya meditation practice that I'm willing to teach you, but I'm not going to teach you on stream because I don't want people at home to do it. Okay. Because it could be dangerous and needs to be done under the guidance of someone who knows what it, what it is. And it could be kind of, it's funny, someone asked at the beginning of uh, the stream, I just saw a question in chat about like, sometimes when I feel, when I start to meditate, I feel like this vast emptiness and it terrifies me. And then like, I get scared and I stop meditating. Absolutely. This person is doing it right. It just needs to be done with guidance. So the first uh, part of meditation that I'm going to teach you 
is thrataka or fixed point gazing. And this you can do at home. Okay, we'll kind of get to the, you know, once you learn how to do this. So fixed point gazing is simply that, that you gaze at a particular thing without blinking for an extended period of time. And I think a good thing to start with is a candle. So like candle gazing is a good practice. I've just not figured out how to, um, how to teach this over the internet because oftentimes it requires a candle. I think looking at a real candle works. So instead, what we're going to try to do is just, we're just going to try to do the fixed point gazing part. I'll explain what you guys should do at home with a candle. But the idea is to just gaze at a candle flame um, for an extended period of time without blinking. But I guess what we can try is to soulfully gaze into each other's eyes without blinking. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so I'm going to just kind of, we're going to, so close your eyes for a second, Ethan. Okay. And do you have, actually, do you have a source of, of soft light anywhere around you? Uh, sure. I mean, I have, I have my streaming light up here. That's going to be too bright. Too bright. Then, uh, no. Okay. So we're just going to try this. I, I don't know how this is going to work, but we'll try. Mm. So what I, or we can just look at, I want you to look at this point on my face. Okay. okay? And I'm going to look at that point on your face. So okay. close your eyes. Okay, and I want you to just first feel what your eyes feel like. Sort of feel the wetness, feel the comfort of having your eyes closed. And now what I want you to do is slowly open your eyes to kind of like half-lidded gaze. And what I'm going to do is turn off your streaming light, actually. Is it going to be completely dark in there without your streaming light? Uh, I don't know. No, it shouldn't be completely dark. Okay, good. This is better. Okay. So now what I want you to do is to look, so so close your eyes, and then slowly open them and go to half-lidded gaze and stare at this point. And what we're going to do, you can open a little bit more. So what we're going to do, uh-oh, Discord, here we go, chat. That, something just, did we? <laughs> okay, your internet connection is unstable. Are we still live? Broke the internet. Internet doesn't want us to do it. Okay. That's all right. It came back. Okay. So just gaze over here mm -hmm. and then just try not to blink. So the first thing that you're going to feel, I'm going to walk you through some sensations, okay? The first thing that you're going to feel is some degree of itching or burning. Mm -hmm. And it can help to squint a little bit if you need to. And then try to relax after the squint. So go into a squint and out of a squint. Okay. And then you're going to feel the tears start to come. So let the tears come. It's a sense of lack of lubrication in your eyes. So the tears are going to want to come and lubricate. Okay. And what we're going to do is try to hold this for between 30 and 60 seconds without blinking. Now close your eyes. 
So feel the relief, feel the slight burning. And now I want you to look at the screen of your mind. So you're gonna see almost like a, that your visual receptors are still active. And do you see something within the blackness of your mind? Yeah, I do. Okay, so I want you, so there should be something central that you see. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So focus on the central thing. Tell me what you see. It's it's the after image of your face, mostly like the lower half of your face. Okay. So what does it look like to you? Describe what you see, not not what it is. Uh, it looks like two points in the middle of a black outline. Beautiful. So I want you to concentrate on those two points in the black outline and mm-hmm. try to keep them as central as you can in your in the screen of your mind or your chid the akash. That's what it's called. And let me know if you lose it. Okay. Is it trying to move? No, but it's it's blurring out over time. Focus like, on it. Concentrate. Look closer. Okay. Yeah, it's coming back some. Good. Still have it? Mm, not really. It just okay. So it's just faded away. So open your eyes. Good. So that's what you need to practice. So take a candle. Okay. So yeah. tell me, how do you feel right now? Tired, like a little wrung out. Good. Uh, I mean, was that you didn't feel that way before the practice, right? N- no, no. Yeah. So this. So this is what I mean. So this practice is like intensive meditation, right? So a lot of times when people do, like when we do breath-oriented techniques, those are invigorating, energizing. They increase your prana or your chi. This practice is going to take it out of you. It requires a lot of effort, and it's like not a common experience of of meditation. Most people feel energized when we do meditation. This practice is going to drain you, which is what we want. Actually, okay. In, in your case, okay? Okay. So this practice is also called Trataka or fixed point gazing. T-R-A-T-A-K-A. I can send you some information about it. Yeah, I'm interested. And, and what I want you to do is, is do it with a, especially a long stem candle if you can. Not like a long, long stem, but yeah, like yeah. you want to see the stem of a candle. Right. And what you want to do is over the course of 30 seconds, start at the base of the candle and move your way up to the the flame and then stare at the flame for maybe another 30 to 60 seconds without blinking and then close your eyes and then hang on to the after image and put your concentration on the after image. That's phase one. Okay. You guys um, do, did people at home do the, the practice? Do you guys want to try it again? Okay. So thoughts, questions? Uh, well, of course, right? Like you've promised secret knowledge that, that has to be, you know, given offline. Like, of course, I'm immensely curious, right? Like, yeah, it, sorry. I, I didn't mean to do, I, I, no, um, no, like it was an honor. I, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to try to create a cult there. No, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's just, I, I'm serious. So like some of the stuff that you do in meditation, like literally there are case reports of meditation induced psychosis. And one of the biggest things that I've learned being both 
a medical doctor and someone who's been teaching meditation for 15 years, is some of this stuff, it's not just, a, it's not mindfulness. We're not doing mindfulness, right? Right. Like, I'm sure you've done mindfulness. I have. This does not feel quite like that. This is something different. This is taking something out of you, and if you give it too much, you're going to go nuts. <laughs> wow. All right. Right? And you you know what I mean? Like, when you do mindfulness, like, how do you feel at the end of mindfulness? Rested and fo- centered. Yeah, you feel... And how do you feel at the end of this? Oh, I said I felt wrung out. Yeah. yeah. Right? So this is different. Like, this is, this is like spiritual growth level stuff that we don't talk about anymore. Like, somewhere along the way, when mindfulness crossed the pond, like, we left a bunch of stuff in it, like, India and, and China. We brought the McDonald's version. That's what Absolutely. you're saying. Okay. So this isn't Mickey D's. The Happy but, Meal. Yeah. Um, but do you, other thoughts or questions? Uh... No, not, um, I don't know. It, I feel like where I was at the end of last week, where now you've taken me in a direction where I'm like, I don't know, I need time to absorb that, to figure out what questions I would have. Good. Uh, That's our goal, right? <laughs> what? To, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, it, um, yeah. it's definitely the goal in terms of progress, uh, because you definitely, uh, left me with two or three things that I'm like, oh shit, he's completely right. And why haven't I seen that? And oh my God, that's like a, you know, the, the I'm feeding the hungry beast and that makes it bigger. I've always known and agree with intellectually the, the way to have enough is to want less, not to get more. But then you've pointed out where I'm completely not living that. And I'm like, oh shit. And then how do I unwind that? Um, because in my case, I've like, I've built not only muscles at doing it, but like pride in the sense of I'm capable of scheduling anything. I, I can make, I can actually ski in two places at once. I just need a helicopter. Like that's how my mind works. And, yeah. and you're telling me like you've spent 20 or 30 years honing an ability that's actually bad. Not, not, not that it doesn't have uses, but that in there this aspect is is maladaptive. Maladaptive. That's the word. Yeah. So that's okay. So you don't have to unravel it. What we're gonna do is just unplug it. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, Even and better. That yeah. So so let me ask you this. So you, it may be hard to recall, but like, what were you trying to optimize? or get out of the practice that we were doing while you were doing it. When you're trying to hold on to the afterimage, what are you trying to feed? The only thing I was trying to feed was being able to do it, like success, focus. Uh, so I'm going to ask you in a different way. Yeah. Were you actually trying to feed something? No. Right. So you're wondering, how do I stop feeding this thing? Well, you just practice not feeding things. And you just did it. You just took the first step. Okay. Because for a moment, your mind is not trying to feed anything. There's no FOMO. There's no feeding. There's no hunger. There's just you. And what are you in that moment? You're not anything. There we go. That is Shunya. That is Shunya. You are not anything. 
And the more that you become comfortable with that person, there's no need for FOMO. FOMO will go away on its own. You don't have to conquer it. You don't have to do anything. It's just going to go away. Be gone. You'll wake up one day. Done. That'll be awesome. (laughs) So the only other place I get close to this is really hard physical activity. Yep. Are are the two related? Like when I play hockey, right? Ice hockey is very demanding. I play with uh, people half my age. So the, the art of keeping up with them leaves me no time to think or worry about anything else. Same there thing achieved a different way. Absolutely, right? Because what did you say you can't do think when you're playing? Or worry. Can't think or worry. So we, once we disable thinking and worrying, it all, it's all the same place. Okay. Just two paths to the same door or yes. same. Okay. It's about, a state, uh, it's about eliciting a state of consciousness. Got it. Right? Whether you fall asleep, whether you are knocked out, or whether you are anesthetized. Yeah, yeah. If you are unconscious, you are unconscious. So you can lead to consciousness, like states of consciousness in different ways. A lot of people on stream ask me about, you know, psychedelics and things like that. So like meditation, I'm not saying that they're exactly the same, but a state of consciousness is a state of consciousness and there are different roads to getting there. So intense physical exercise is a form of meditation because the goal of meditation is to attain a particular state where your mental function is actually turned off, but your consciousness or awareness remains. I I really this I need this so badly because um uh, you know the notes I had written before this uh and I, I said up front is like I, I found I'm more and more grasping for things. And I'm no longer grasping for like economic stuff so much as experiential, but the the hunger for more is a is a a problem. You were saying that you had you had asked you had made notes or wanted to ask questions about grasping before we met today. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned it right oh. when we started. That's where I said the FOMO was my. Oh, for, that's for, the place I picked it. Yeah. But but I've noticed it in uh, I've several. Uh, fear of missing out was like the easiest way to summarize it. Um, I did think about it, and let let me just see. Um, uh, what I actually wrote in my notes was I realized that wanting to feel loved, our topic from last time, has generally made me grasping for lots of pleasant things, activities, travel, time with friends, food. I'm mm. pleasure seeking. And that was, I summarized that to you as FOMO because oh, that was it. like the, the fastest way. Yeah. So, yeah, so so that, you know, I... So first of all, Ethan, I think you've done a great job of kind of reflecting. I think um, I think it's good that you're at a place where you're not quite sure what to ask because that means we've moved past where your mental patterns have already figured everything out. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah so of we course. want we want to move you beyond what you already understand, which is a lot. Yeah. And and you know this is going to become harder as you as you learn more. And then you're you're going to explore more and things like that, but that's okay. So any, um, I, I'm going to just ask real quick. Any, uh, so do you have any other questions, or do people on your stream have questions? Uh, let's see. Um, no. Uh, looking at their questions, the the only one which I know you've answered before, uh, 
is what are you charge an hour, um, which I already know the answer to, so I can answer for them offline. Okay. As you've said before, right? It's four and a quarter, right? That's your normal like billing yeah, rate so or whatever. Yeah, so it went up in 2020. So I increased my rates every, every year. But <laughs> There you um, go. I'm getting, yeah. So, yeah. and my only question is, man, uh, you can't leave me hanging. I want to follow up on this shun, uh, Shunya meditation. Sure. Like I'm super... Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. up. So, but so here's the thing: you have to practice Trataka. Yeah, yeah, got it. Will so yeah. interestingly, practicing like um, mindfulness meditation was only medium interesting to me. This one, I'm like, damn it! There's a candle in the house. I'm so on this because hmm. I, because I do, um, I directly see the connection to something I want to work on. So the, that's interesting, Ethan. Or it almost sounds as if the concern that you had at the beginning of the session, which is how do I meditate, is no longer a concern. We'll see I, how I do this week, but um, it feels much more. Uh, meditation last week felt a little bit like, um, and in in the past in my life felt a little bit like, oh, this is a good thing you should do, like eat broccoli, do sit ups. It's a good thing, but why exactly am I eating broccoli? Why exactly am I doing sit-ups? You know, like, oh, more health. This seems much more like you said, I get to pull the plug out of the anxiety to do everything and out of the fear of death, out of the wall. That's motivating because it's a specific hmm. goal. Good. That's, that's our goal, right? So now we'll go back. So you can talk as much as you want to about behaviorally finding it behaviorally how to do it but i think this is how meditation happens it's about karma it's about time and place and inspiration and what you, you were kind of saying earlier that you know part of the the christian ideal that you try to live up to is that of whom much is given much is expected yes and similarly god will provide that which you need when you need it so don't worry about it those words are uh don't worry about it is is very hard for me. Yep. I, I'm an excellent worrier. Yeah. World class. Yeah. So you need a little bit more faith. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Okay. So All right. um thanks a lot, man. Yeah, that was thank you. Like I am I am deeply grateful actually for today's last week I was intrigued and 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 like interested. This week I'm like, honestly, I wanted to tell you I'm blown away. Right. The 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 rate of the, your ability to um, get inside quickly and pull out something deep, uh, impressive and thank valuable. You. So thank you. Well, I, it helps when you have a willing participant and also yeah. intelligent and dedicated and thoughtful. So thank uh, you. Yeah. A lot of people followed up with me through the week and were like, holy shit, I could have never done that in public. You'd be surprised. For all of those people, you'd be surprised. That I've been surprised by how yeah. many people are willing to come on and talk and and how well this is working. I think that's yeah. a big problem: is that we we sh we hide the worst parts of ourselves, and thereby we prevent them from being like helped or fixed or solved. And sunlight is an amazing disinfectant. Yeah, I, and that's that's what I told them as I said, well. For the benefit, you know, sure. I I said earlier I felt embarrassed about stuff. Well that's okay. Right. If, if it, if it helps me get better because you, you had 
I don't know if you realize this, but you had a really good, terrifying line, uh, which was, this is only going to get worse for you. You're, you're 50 as each year ticks off. If you're desperate to feed the beast and you're afraid of death, it's only going to amplify. And that was so obviously true because what you don't know is that I've had conversations with my wife about like, well, I need to do this, this, and this activity over the next five years because I like, um, I like to play hockey. I mentioned that, but it's not something you do in your seventies. And so I have like a mental clock of only so many hockey games left and yeah. you hit right on it. Like if you have that thinking as it, it creates a desperation cycle that's self-reinforcing. So yeah. All right. Strong work, man. All right. Thank you. Th thank you very much. All right. Until next Adios. time. Yeah. Bye. Take care. And now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.